Well, good morning. I'm Patty Connolly, one of the pastors here, and I'm going to steal something from Ed and talk to you from down here. First, I'd like to say Happy Mother's Day to all of you. And I know this is a tough time for a lot of people in this world. So I would like to talk about the nurturers that we have in our life as we celebrate Mother's Day. They can be our Sunday school teachers, our women of faith, our mentors, our friend. We all have women in our faith journey that have helped us. My mom was instrumental in my faith journey, and I will say, hi, mom, and she probably said, Patty, stand up straight. <laughs> but I also have a nurturer in a friend of mine named Janet Harmon. Janet was my mentor. She helped me discern this call in my life, and she even stood with me when I was ordained. So we all have special women in our life. So in um, tune with that, I know that most special women have common sayings that they might say to their children or their students. So I thought I would share these with you this morning. And some of these, I'm sure you can finish the phrase. So the first one is, Close the door. Were you born in a barn? If everyone jumped off a lake or a cliff, would you do it too? Elbows off the table. Your face is going to freeze that way. <laughs> that usually happened when I crossed my eyes. Uh, there are starving people in your favorite third world country that would be happy for your broccoli. One day, I hope you have one just like you. <laughs> Stop crying, or I will give you something to cry about. Aha, uh -huh, so this is what people have said. All right. This one is from Andy Harkins, and I had never heard this until he told me about it. It's called Fair. Fair is where pigs are judged. <laughs> and our, our most famous saying... Because I said so. There you go. So today, let's read our scriptures as we celebrate the women in our life. Our scripture this morning is from John 1, 9 to 13. And it talked to us last week about claiming a child of God. So I thought I would expand on that and, and talk about what does a child of God look like? What is being a child of God all just entail? So, John 1, 9 to 13. The true light, which is Jesus, which enlights everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to know what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or the will of man, but of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Today we're going to talk about being a child of God. And there have been a lot of folks that have helped us on our journey that's demonstrated 
what a child of God looks like. And notice that I have titled this Being, because we never arrive. It's always a process of some kind. Let me give you an example of what a child of my family looks like. My maiden name is Bennett. My mother was from Ohio. My father was from New York. He came to West Virginia for a temporary assignment by Appalachian Power and retired 42 years later, to my mom's chagrin. Our family consisted of two girls and two boys, and we always had a dog. Now, you pick out which one's me. <laughs> oh, the good-looking one. I like you. I like you. I am the second girl. Because of our, our grandparents lived out of state, we didn't have grandparents to go to on Sundays. Now, I'm not sure how things are in North Carolina. I'm still fairly new. But in West Virginia, everybody in, in your town was related to everybody else except us. So we were pretty tight as a family unit. We looked similar. We were all tall. And we had family rules. For example, you don't air your dirty laundry outside the home or especially not in church. You do not start fights, but you will support your sibling if they are in one. <laughs> you had these rules too, I know. You come in when street lights are on, and no, I'm sorry, Mona, you would have no clue what I'm talking about. <laughs> Sunday was family day, to the exclusion of everything else. We went to church, then we had a picnic, we played games. It was our time to be together. And this one was my grandmother's rule. If you can dress up for a date on Saturday night, you can dress up for Jesus on Sunday morning. <laughs> and don't you know, she didn't call me a couple times on that one. We resembled each other. We acted similar. We had the same core values. We had the same educational values. And we had our faith. And these were very important values to us. And a child of God has the same core values. And they do look similar to each other. For example, I want to talk to you about some characteristics of a child of God. And the first one is, you have peace. Now, this peace is not something that the world gives you. You can go buy books at the bookstore on how to get peace. And this is nothing more than a generated feeling. But the peace that God gives us is something more. Jesus told us in John 14, 27, peace I give you, not as the world gives. And it is mentioned, peace, in the Bible 249 times. So it's pretty important. The peace that Jesus gives us is permanent. It's the one that you have confidence that God is in control even when your world seems to be going in chaos. I'll give you an example. We moved to Boone almost nine years ago, and this was a big leap of faith for my husband and I. We bought a house in Boone before we sold the one in West Virginia, which we were taught never to do. It was the first house we saw, in fact, uh, Ed mentioned Ed, uh, Louise Osborne. We bought her house. It was our perfect retirement home. 
we left our jobs, all because we wanted to see our grandchildren grow up, and I wanted a place to minister. All the time when things would happen, we had this peace that we knew God was taking care of us through all the moves, the up and down. Now, my husband, who is in prison ministry, who only had one prison to serve in West Virginia, now has three. I have been, excuse me, and I've been blessed to serve you all. And I am so thankful for that and what God has brought in our lives. Let's talk about fruit. Yes, and you knew I was going to say that. Don't be surprised. There are 148 references in the Bible for fruit. Now, I want you to think of a tree for a minute. In the winter, a tree is barren. You can't tell what kind of tree it is. But in the spring, the fruit appears, and you know what kind it is. And that's what fruit does to us. It demonstrates the person we are and our belief system. Jesus calls us to bear fruit, fruit that glorifies God. And what does that fruit look like? I'm glad you asked. Matthew 25, 36, we provide clothing to those who need garments. We care for the sick. We care for the homebound. We share the word to others and those in prison. We provide food to the hungry and the homeless. That kind of fruit is healing. It's life-giving. And it's the best kind of fruit. What about loving one another? What does the song say? They'll know we are Christians by our love. Mother Teresa says, Love is a fruit in season at all times and within reach of every hand. How are you showing love? And how is our church showing love? It's in our mission statement. Loving our community and inviting all to discover life in Christ. It's in this church's DNA, which is what I so love about this church. And it is in our DNA as a child of God. So how are we demonstrating this as a church? As Ed mentioned, we're in a discerning period of how we can serve our community better without financial obligation. And I would challenge you at this time to discern, how is God calling you to bear fruit? And what does that fruit look like? Community. What is community? A group sharing common characteristics or interest and is perceived as distinct in some respect from the larger society within which it exists. That sounds like another word for family. The family of God. Family is mentioned in the Bible 205 times. And what does Jesus say about who our family is? Matthew 12, 50. That whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister. And as earthly families like to get together, we should get together also. It is good for our happiness and it is good for our spiritual growth. When we are in relationship with other believers, we have people who pray for us, support us, and encourage us. 
Our weekly gatherings remind us that we're not out there on our own. Not only did the writer of Matthew believe it was important, John Wesley, our founder, thought it was pretty important too. So he put together what he called bands or community groups so folks could assemble during the week because he knew that was important. The concept of community groups is part of our Methodist tradition. They even predated us. We thought we had a new idea here. It is important to be accountable, and it is a joy to share life with brothers and sisters who, who care about you. And that is what a small group concept is all about. My community group has been meeting for almost four years, and they love me, warts and all, and I'm looking at the Fonville. <laughs> if you are interested in a community group, please talk to Jeff McLean, or you can talk to me, and I'll send it on to him. It is just a vital part of my Christian walk. No man or woman is an island entire of itself. He or she is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. John Don, in a prose, he wrote in 1624, we are not meant to be alone. Now, I've thrown a lot of scripture out to you, but I want you to, let's go back to our original text just for a minute. Excuse my back there. But all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. This scripture is very special to me because you see, Jesus called us to be his children through adoption. And why this is dear to me is, see, the young, my youngest brother was adopted. He was part of our family when he was two and a half years old. And he was a cute little bug ever was, and I spoiled him. But even though Bill looked very similar to us and grew up with the family rules, he didn't always obey the family rules. For example, um, one day mom told him that if you don't eat those Brussels sprouts, there's a child in China who would like it. And he looked at her and said, do you have an envelope and a stamp? <laughs> and my other brother said, incoming. You know. <laughs> Jump in a lake or off a cliff? Absolutely. When? That was Bill. But Bill was loved and nurtured, and we just, he was just so special to us. And that is like us. We're all children of God, we all have similarities, and we all have our little quirks. So if you don't remember anything from what I've told you this morning, let me boil it down to this. We are called to look and act like Jesus. For all who receive him become children of God. The question is, do we look like we are part of God's family? Do we resemble in our action, our words, our attitudes, our big brother Jesus? The challenge is 
that we need to be more and more Christ-like. What are you doing to make that happen? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.